Welcome to Holy Smoke, the Spectator's Religion Podcast. I'm Damien Thompson. What is the future of the Church of England in the countryside? Church attendance is falling off a cliff, as it usually is. We see more and more empty churches, and yet Anglican parish churches remain a very much loved feature of the English countryside and of rural life in general. Is there a way of halting the decline, or are we moving towards a situation where, as in Scandinavia, lots of people who belong to the national church are also avowed atheists? I'm asking the Reverend Ravi Holy, who's a very successful Anglican vicar in Kent, how he deals with these challenges. My impression, and I'm sorry if this sounds rude, is that the Church of England in the countryside is in danger of becoming a bit of an architectural relic. It's all about the nice country churches, which everybody wants to keep open, but nobody actually attends. Do you get that impression, Ravi? Well, so I, I am in charge of a group of eight churches in rural East Kent, so many of them now would have a congregation of between 10 and 20 on a good Sunday. That's a good Sunday? Yeah. Okay, yeah. Tell me about the bad Sundays. Well, six. Okay. I mean, and the, the flip side of that is the, the church in the sort of hub village that I live in, we have 120 to 150 on a, a good Sunday. And that, so the village population is two and a half thousand. So that's much more well attended than the similar style church that I did my curacy at in, okay. in central London. That's amazing. Can you explain that? Well, I'd love to say it's because I'm such a great vicar. But I thought it, it might be done but, that. No, but it, I really, it genu- genuinely, it's it not. Is I, mean, it, I inherited a church like that. And so just for, for whatever bizarre sociological or accidental reasons, there's just always been a, an active Christian community in Y, and it's always been a well-attended church. And in fact, I mean, some of these churches that have 15 to 20 people on a Sunday morning, there's only 150 to 200 people in the village. So it's actually the same percentage of the populace that are attending as there are at mine. So my church looks really successful because it's full. The others look hopeless because there's only 10 or 15 people. But if there's only 150 people in the village, what do you expect? I mean, I'm, I'm aware that you're... Roman Catholic. Catholic. Okay. Thank you. All right. Well, okay. from our, from my perspective, you're okay. a Roman Catholic. That's why the words. Are. So, for the first time, I think our numbers are now even. So, that on an average Sunday, there's a million people attending Catholic churches in the UK and a million attending Anglican. We always used to be slightly ahead of you. We're now at the same level. But we have 20 times more buildings than you, may even be more than that. And it is, in one sense, slightly crazy that there are... I mean, we have have the church in every community from hundreds of years before the Industrial Revolution, when everyone went to church, I guess because they had to, and everyone lived in their local community and never really went anywhere else. The world has changed so massively since then, and yet the buildings are still there. A, they are, in my case, they're all at least grade two listed, if not grade one, so you can't really do anything to them. You can't sell them because they wouldn't be any more use to anybody else. You know, you can sell a redundant church in London, you can't sell one in the countryside. Because even if someone said, oh, well, I wouldn't mind turning it into my house, they probably wouldn't be able to because of the listings and stuff. And yet we aren't able to shut them down because the people in the villages have a massive emotional stroke sentimental 
attachment to them. So even though they don't attend the services, even though they don't attend the services, to be fair, they might. Att- I mean, so th- there's various layers, aren't there? There's the people yeah. that attend regularly. There's the people that attend Christmas and Easter. There's the people whose daughter they don't they don't come to church, but when they daughter gets married they wanted to get married there they may even want to be buried there themselves because their mother and grandmother and so that, I mean, there are huge emotional attachments. okay here's a question for you can you conceive of a spirit-led wave of evangelization and let's remind people that rather you were once a, a charismatic well uh, i am still a charismatic yeah, still a charismatic can okay can you conceive of a wave of evangelization that will fill those rural churches again so when i was curate at st luke's church in battersea a member of the congregation who who had been there since birth i mean i was about the eighth well i wasn't the vicar but the, the vicar was about the seventh or eighth vicar in her lifetime she showed me the pew sheet from something like 1962 where the vicar at the time was announcing that because the church was, no one was attending anymore, it was going to be shut down, and that Bishop was proposing to knock down three churches in the area and just build one new one, very simple. Now, in fact, that church at the time I was at had 200 people every Sunday. It had a church hall which had thousands of people going through it every every week. And I just thought, well, I'd love to take the vicar that wrote that, bring him back from the dead and show him what's happening in the church that he sounds like an evangelical parish to me no no not at all no it was a central liberal catholic inclusive church in fact very intentionally i mean this this micro area of i don't know if you know that sort of part around battersea rise but there was a church on one side of northcote road which is one of the big flagship evangelical charismatic churches and we were on the other side so people that wanted evangelicalism went to that one people that didn't came to ours it was the same constituency but we we were very intentionally the sort of middle of the road liberal anglican and we were i think we were probably at that point probably the second biggest non-evangelical church in southwark okay well can that be replicated in the countryside because i can't think of examples of overflowing Anglican or indeed Catholic churches in the middle of the countryside, though you, though you do come across the old thriving independent evangelical denomination. Yeah, so I'm in Canterbury Diocese, and, and most of the big churches, most of the churches with sort of over 100 or certainly over 200 would be evangelical. So again, where I am would be one of the bigger non-evangelical churches in Canterbury Diocese. And, and as I say, you know, I think... you know having you know 120 150 people on a sunday morning is pretty respectable i mean as it happens we have an you know we're quite a broad church in Y, so we have everyone across the spectrum so there's a significant evangelical group but they are they're part of the family most people it would be more middle of the road some arch traditionalists and somehow we all rub along together okay well if you rub along together that's a tribute to you i'm keen to hear what you preach on a sunday what do you tell people? What do you tell this, this disparate community, which seems to go from people with relatively secular beliefs to intensely committed Christians? What do you tell them to keep them together in one community? So for a start, because I look after this group of churches, I'm only at my main church every other week. So I, I'm there every other week and take turns to visit the other churches. So there are, there are different voices other than mine in between, some of which would be more evangelical than me, some of which would be more traditional more liberal whatever i guess i'm the main preacher at why 
So, I mean, my own theology I would describe as post-evangelical charismatic, as in I come from an evangelical background, an evangelical and charismatic background. So I believe that God is real. You'll, you'll be pleased to hear. Not, not every Anglican vicar maybe would say the same. But I, I, you know, I'm, I'm clear that there is a God who is real, personal, alive, active, with whom one can communicate and you can pray and have answers to prayer and et cetera, et cetera. But I'm not a fundamentalist or a biblical literalist and my theology is quite radical in, in some ways. So, I mean, let's put it like this. If the me that I am now travelled back in time to speak to the me that was preaching at Kensington Temple, I would tell myself that I was not a Christian. I don't think Christianity has to simply consist of liberalism or fundamentalism. The creed makes various explicit statements about Jesus, one of which, for example, is that he rose from the dead mm. physically. Yeah. This might seem irrelevant to a discussion about the country church, but let me ask you, is, is that what you believe? Yeah, I'm, I mean, I believe that is the gospel message. But in some ways, I, I think there would be lots of people in in churches, not just in the country, but, you know, my, my last church, who, who would sit quite lightly to that, you know, whose core belief is... Sit quite lightly sounds like a bit of a euphemism for not believing it. OK, well, well I, I mean, but I'm not sure they've necessarily even thought it through enough to have a view on whether they believe it or not. So is it your job to make them, make them think it through? But you see, and this is what you're going to think that I've just gone hopelessly liberal now. But I mean, in some ways, I think I've just moved so far from the idea of what's most important is that people have correct doctrinal beliefs about such and such an issue. I mean, that's that's not really where I'm coming from. I mean, I'm more interested in, as I say, the reality of God and helping people to enter into that relationship with God, helping people to have a, a dynamic, meaningful relationship with God, which will help them to be better human beings and to be more productive members of society and human community. OK, well, we, we strayed, as I, as, in, as I knew we would, and it's not a bad thing, well, from our original topic of the church in the countryside. But given that, Anglican decline seems to be most acute in the countryside. I'd like to know whether, from what you see of your fellow clergy in rural areas, there's a realistic hope that churches can be at least half full as a result of vicars preaching, whether it's your message or the evangelical message, or indeed whether the always robust evangelical movement is actually compatible with the religion of the countryside. Well, okay, I mean, my personal feeling is that in the village that I live in, if that church was captured by evangelicals, and, I mean, evangelicals do talk in these terms, they, you know, they want to, to capture and build... But it would be an absolute and unmitigated disaster for what I consider the mission of God in that village to be. And I'm sort of the most liberal vicar that Y has had in the last, you know, within the last 30 years. So my theology is very open and inclusive and I, you know, I allow anyone to do anything in church effectively. So we've done funerals where there's been no reference to God at all because that's what an atheist who was dearly loved in the village needed to have a funeral somewhere ideally would have had it in the church because it's the biggest venue but didn't his family said they didn't want any reference to god so i said well i'm happy to do that because 
What's you the did? Old... Absolutely. Okay. But for me, from where I'm at today, that is theologically correct. It's what Jesus would have done because I met those people at their point of need and enabled them to, to grieve for their loved one and enabled an event to happen. Okay, well, and, and, and the number of people that came up to me at the end of that, so going, you know, I haven't set foot in a church for years because as far as I'm concerned, the church has got nothing well, to I'm do sure with my that, life. I'm sure they did, Matthew, because you weren't making any demands of them whatsoever. This is an argument we can have maybe on another occasion. I yeah, look forward yeah. to it. Actually, what you've just said ties in rather nicely with a survey I read recently which showed that in Scandinavia, which has an established church, far greater proportion of the population belong to it than in this country, but the Lutheran Church is a bit like the C of E in, in, in Norway. In Norway, a tremendous number of members of the Lutheran Church don't believe in God. Isn't there a danger that the Church of England will become a repository for any vaguely altruistic belief and that a substantial number of people who identify members of, of the Church of England will be atheists, which is what has happened in Scandinavia? I don't particularly see that. I mean, for me, there's a massive difference between me going, look, at the end of the day, oh, I don't really believe in all this God nonsense. I think that, you know, it's, it, the church is just a social thing and that's why I do it. So really, I was just doing this funeral to... I felt I was demonstrating the inclusive and unconditional love of God through those actions. So I guess I take the, the maxim, the cliche of actions speaking louder than words quite seriously you know if i'd said to those people well i'm sorry no it would have just been how, how would that have advanced the mission of god in my community how do you think your ecclesiastical superiors would have felt about it i don't know i mean i've done similar things where i've consulted with my ecclesiastical superiors who were 100 percent supportive I'm not sure if I did actually consult with anyone on that, but I, again, I'm, I'm pretty sure they would have said, well, we've got one scenario where a family in need are helped and the PR of, for the church is done such that people go, wow, maybe the Church of England is an organisation we can do business with after all. And the other is where they go, well, oh, typical, we asked for help and they told us to go away because of some arcane rule that, you know, whatever, whatever. So for me, it's clearly you know, the right way forward. Ravi, what about a subject which I've always imagined might divide urban Christians from rural Christians, which is gay marriage? Hmm. My stereotypical picture of the country is that they're far more suspicious of homosexuals generally. Maybe that's old-fashioned, but nonetheless, that gay weddings, not they're allowed in Anglican churches, but hmm. gay blessings, gay hmm. unions, would go down less well in the country than in the town. What's the situation in practice? That's possibly true. So at my last church in London, there would have been very few people that would have had any issues with that. In my current congregation, there would be more people who would object. Some would be because they're evangelicals. Some would just be because they're old school traditionalists and don't hold with that sort of thing. But actually, on, on the heart, I would have thought most people, you know, it's, it's not an issue. And you wouldn't have a problem with I, blessing? I, I would vote. I mean, I wish I could do it. I would do it if it wasn't so highly... I mean, I'd basically lose my job if I did it. Because uh, it's against the law of the land to well, have no, no, an Anglican gay wedding. I can no more marry a couple than I can award a degree from Cambridge University. I mean, I just, it's not in my power to do it. But what I'm also not... But if it was in your power to do it... I, if it was in my power to do it, I'd do it. What's really annoying at the moment is we, we're not even allowed to do blessings. So I've, if you ask, well, what am I allowed to do? The, the rules say you have to respond 
pastorally and appropriately to a request for such a ceremony, but you can't actually do a blessing. So when I say, well, tell me what I am, what are the contours of what I am and aren't allowed to do? They say, well, we can't give you any advice because the minute we do, we've effectively said we are blessing marriages, which is crazy. They won't give you any advice because that would be seen by the people who are against it and militantly so to be condoning it. So therefore you just have to make it up. You have to try and work out what you are allowed to do, but if you get it wrong, they can take your license away. I mean, it's an absolutely insane situation. Can I ask you how you think, how well you think, the Church of England is coping with the challenge of a church which, like it or not, the figure suggests is essentially dying in the countryside? I think one of the problems is that there's still quite a lot of arguing about colours on deck chairs. So some people think, if only we made every service more like this, then people would come, or no, we need to, you know, or let's have another prayer meeting and then revival, etc., etc. I I just think, well, no. I think the fundamental reasons why people aren't coming to church relate to massive societal and sociological changes the main one being that people don't believe in god i, I agree so with you if people Absolutely. don't believe in god they're not going to go to church totally agree and with I, so i sit in innumerable meetings where people are going well, what can we do to get people to come to church and i just want to say well meanwhile if the local muslims are sitting there going what would they have to do to get you to go to the mosque what's the answer well i'm not going to go to the mosque because i'm not a muslim you know or if the cricket club are sitting there going, how can we get Ravi Holy to become a member of the cricket club? Well, you can't, because I don't, I don't like cricket. I've got no interest in cricket. So there's nothing you could do to get me to join your cricket club. And I think a lot of the discussions that I am involved in about the future of the church are, all, are not looking at that angle. And it does then raise the question of, am I saying we should just roll over and, and say, OK, well, if people aren't interested, they're not. No, I'm not saying that, because I believe passionately in the existence of God. I believe that God is revealed in Christ in a way that he isn't anywhere else. And I further believe that God has called me to be a priest in the Church of England specifically. So I guess I just have to have a bit of faith that somehow things will work, even if they have to change massively. I'm personally not really equipped or qualified to comment on what those changes are and in some ways I'm just doing you know the debate I mean I'm just doing what I was taught to do as a priest and in my particular context it seems to be working maybe I'm just maybe I've just lucked out. I wonder if you could wrap things up by talking about the contrast between faith in urban areas and in the countryside because it seems to me that immigration has boosted religion both Christian and non-Christian religions chiefly Islam, to an enormous extent in the cities to the point where half of all worshippers in London churches on a Sunday are black. That influx of immigrants has enormously benefited the Catholic Church, but I imagine Anglicans as well. The same thing is not happening, as far as I can work out, in the countryside. So aren't we looking at the paradoxical spectacle of religious cities and godless pastures. I suppose that could be the, the bigger picture, yeah. The bigger churches will inevitably be in cities. I mean, but I, I, again, at some point, possibly the Church of England should do what the Catholic... Should, should remodel itself according to the Catholic model and say, well, instead of having 
20 churches with 10 people in, why not have one with 200 in? So suddenly you've got a sense of something. Yeah, but as you say, you know, unlike my churches, we have enough trouble when we try and close incredibly undistinguished and Mm -hmm. and moribund parishes on industrial estates. There's always huge fuss. But when you talk about closing a pretty but empty country church... Yeah, so I mean, I have actually been involved in discussions about closing little rural churches where it's absolutely... I mean, people who don't come anywhere near the church have come out had petitions saying save our church save our church and and when they've actually it's been looked into by the ecclesiastical authorities their position is very much it doesn't matter whether these people come to church or not because the church of england does belong to the people of england irrespective of their faith i mean you know everyone in this country has the legal right to get married baptized buried in and by their their local church it meant that you know the authorities got a bloody nose in this particular situation where they were trying to do something they weren't allowed to do it but for me that is the glory of the church of england and and something that we can actually continue to do into the future Ravi holy thank you very much <laughs> <laughs>